hear my words and bear witness to my vow. Night gathers and now my watch begins. Beware, spoiler phobes. You have stumbled upon a storm of spoilers, a podcast about HBO's Game of Thrones series in conjunction with the Song of Ice and Fire books by George R.R. R. Martin. This discussion can expand to include any Game of Thrones relevant books, shows, internet extras, special features, teases, trailers, interviews, rumors, guesses, theories, and general crackpotitude. We're not ruining, we're enriching. After all, chaos isn't a pit, it's a ladder. You do not wish to be spoiled or are not caught up. Please stop now. The realm. Do you know what the realm is? It's the thousand blades of Aegon's enemies. A story we agree to tell each other over and over till we forget that it's a lie. But what do we have left once we abandon the lie? Chaos. A gaping waiting to swallow us all. Chaos isn't a pit. Chaos is a ladder. Hello, and welcome to A Storm of Spoilers. I'm Dave Gonzalez, and I haven't read any of the books in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire, and this week uh, was kind of scandalized and didn't get a lot of novel reading done. Oh, uh, my name is Joanna Robinson. I've read every book in George R. R. Martin's Song of Ice and Fire, and I'm currently reading Ursula K. Le Guin's The Lathe of Heaven. And I'm Neil Miller, and I've read all the books in George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire, and the last thing I read was my uh, renter's insurance bill. Mm. Oh, that's, yeah. that's, that's a good one. read, I heard. It ended similar to the way this episode ended. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Well, it's like uh, David Foster Wallace, right? Where you really have to pay attention in the footnotes. Yes. Yeah, it's important. Literary joke there for people who listen to this podcast about a television show, but also how it changes the books, which it does a lot. Uh, this week, we're going to mostly focus on that and start with uh, Season 5, Episode 6, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. <clears throat> yes. We start in Bravos, uh, where we didn't get any sort of blood paste like I was looking forward to, but we did get our sort of central theme of the episode, which is uh, lies? And that uh, is a lies ellipses question mark, I believe. If I had to sum this episode up in one word, theme-wise. Mm. Would anybody like to challenge me on that? Is Joanna with your humming? Lies is good. <laughs> I liked the father theme, but lies, I guess, works better. You like fathers better than lies? Mm-hmm. Generally, yeah. Okay. What what scenes would you use to sort of bring that together? Like, we have the Arya and the story she tells her girls, her, the dying girl, we've the got story Jorah, she's told. We've got Jorah and Tyrion talking about their fathers. Mm-hmm. We've got Jamie, a father, disastrously trying to rescue his daughter. Okay. Then I guess it has nothing to do with King's Landing or Winterfell, really. So, I mean, unless you want to say, without her father, Cersei is floundering. So, I don't know. You you could mm-hmm. make up your theme for whatever you want it to be, I think. But Lies is probably more solid one than my father's thing. I mean, I just like lies, ellipses, question mark, because sometimes they're like purposeful lies and other times it's characters lying to themselves because they think they get away with it. 
uh, like especially the King's Landing stuff that I guess I'm thinking it too. And then also I would say Jamie's motivations uh, for getting Marcella out of there might end up being like a self lie. But that's like I gets really stretching it. Uh, I didn't like this episode a lot, um, but we're not quite to the part where it turned for me. Uh, I think our first two locations actually have some stuff I really enjoyed. I like the Arya Game of Lies, and I think just as someone who, like, I can't help but try to turn Yoda mysticism into some sort of fact-based system, but isn't this, like, some sort of reflecting lying? Like, becoming no one, is she supposed to reflect, learn how to reflect lie? Well, not just reflect. I think the thing that I didn't cover very well when I talked about this on the other podcast is I think it's about like facial muscles. Um, part of the, of the faceless man training is like not uh, controlling your facial emotions to hide your facial muscles to hide your emotions. So I think if you go back and watch um, the waif tell her story, you know, she does it with a completely blank expression. Um, and then I think if you watch Arya and when she gets hit and all of that sort of stuff, it has to do with like the facial expressions, I think. But that's so hard to convey in a television show without stating it openly that I think the whole through line of like what's truth, what's a lie and what's punishable and what's rewarded uh, doesn't make a lot of sense to the viewer, I think. It's really the Westerosi version of like – poker face training right right well what she's getting hit and she's lying to him i was trying to figure out why she would do such obvious lies to like sort of test the boundaries i guess of what she'd get away with in this game that she's thus far seemed really like invested in advancing in and like at first she's just lying to like the first lie is something that uh, he would have already known was a lie from when they got together in season two and then mm-hmm. the lies that she tells after they've left uh, still include, like, um, things that vaguely reference their time together. Uh, so, like, uh, Polliver was at Hall, right? Well, there's three, right, there's three yeah. big lies she tells. One... Her dad. I think. Uh, her dad dying in battle. Which right. He would have known is not true. Right. That it was Polliver that took her... Which, which he has no Jack way of knowing is not true. Doesn't really know. Um, and then the thing about the hound, her liking the hound, or not liking the hound. Right. Um, which I think is the most revelatory of the lies. It kind of shows a little bit more of what we suspected in that relationship between Arya and, and the hound, that there was a slight admiration, despite the fact that well, it was she very contentious. The, she also had the stabbing one, which through the back, oh, through yeah. the stomach would only. The only way I could like connect that is she knows that he basically snuck up and killed all those guards to get her out of Harrenhal. So like maybe she was trying to like echo him. I'm trying to make her smarter than she appeared in the scene. <laughs> no, it just makes no sense. <laughs> Fine, fine. I won't give this episode any credit. Joanna. No, uh, you can give it credit for like the face room looking really cool. That's did. true. Just, someone sent me like well, a I Futurama think... head museum still like seconds afterwards. <laughs> it kind of ruined it for me. But yeah, it did look cool. I think the Aria stuff makes sense to a certain extent. Like it, part of her training, and I think this, the scene with the waif is, is uh, part of this as well, is learning to, 
to like like Joanna just said, have that kind of stone demeanor um, so that you could become anyone essentially. Um, so I think that makes sense. I really love that they went there with having the faces because up until now it's looked like a weird magic trick. Um, I don't think we're going to get any blood paste, but Damn it. Uh, the fact that they went to a you know Harry Potter sized basement with faces is kind of awesome. Is the and sort old, of jarring? Is the old woman she like sort of is looking at? Is that that's her future future old woman face? I just think it's her current task. It's just um, the lady that she is cleaning yeah. at the moment. We don't know, uh, and I don't know if we saw that face already, but one thing that's interesting about this is there is an image going around. I didn't do enough research into this, but there is definitely an image going around that the Game of Thrones production, I don't know, could be entirely fake. The Game of Thrones production made a head of Catelyn Stark, of dead Catelyn Stark. Oh my God, awesome. fake deadhead of Catelyn Stark. I've seen photos of it. Okay. I don't know if it's really from Game of Thrones, but what if let's say they don't do Lady Stoneheart, but Michelle Fairley's face is in the like in the faceless room and Arya gets to wear her mom's face. Oh yes. (laughs) Guys, I didn't think we were going to get here this week, but we're back in the Citadel. (laughs) Back in the Citadel of crazy. I love it. I didn't I'm think gonna that we were going to find a photo of it and send it to it. you guys at the head. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, that would still bring like the actress back. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, what if Arya is Lady Stoneheart? So yeah. that wait. I mean, everyone is saying that Catelyn is Lady um, Stoneheart, right? Yeah. Right, right. I think that's pretty safe oh, to assume. Oh, s- sorry, sorry. I said San- I meant Sansa. Everyone's saying that like oh. they oh. think Sansa is going to become Lady Stoneheart especially after um, you know, the <laughs> I don't think anybody's going <laughs> to be able to take Sansa having to go that far through. But I think that's what people are saying things. is like is like she had to go this had to happen to her so she become Lady Stoneheart. Anyway, we're not talking about that mm. right now. But um <laughs> <laughs> but wouldn't it be a cooler thing or a cool reversal if, like, Arya starts wearing her mom's face? <laughs> I love that story. And she goes back to the Brotherhood, which she's met. Right. Man, that's super cool. Uh, that's too cool. It's too cool for the show. That is too that's cool. That's why I've decided. Some of our theories are just too good. Yeah, no. Uh, and I, they're just, they're not going to happen because we're smarter than the show. Every time we've, uh, this season, we've given the show a little bit of a credit and being like, uh, but I really hope it's not this. It's ended up being something we kind In of, that. yeah, the thing we haven't hoped. God damn it, Ollie. You just, this will probably on. end up, um, just to give us another option so that we can have the disappointing thing. Um, this will probably end up being one of those things where it's true, but it is like one of the faces that's like 12 rows up and in the back. And it's just one of it's like the George Bush head in uh, season one where it's like, oh, it was there. It was cool for the production team, yeah. but no it's one, a, it didn't matter. It's a middle finger Easter egg. Be like, oh, no, yeah. really not coming back. <laughs> um, okay. So the, um... <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, it's probably all like not true and someone made it in their house, but the Twitter, there's a Twitter, Twitter handle called Catlin's head. So it's at Catlin's head. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and like <laughs> you can see 
photos of the head. But my favorite is there's one on September 19th where they've like put sunglasses on the head and are holding it next to a glass of beer. Anyway, it seems hypocritical to be laughing about this dismembered head if I'm going to get like offended about other shit. But um, (laughs) (laughs) I hope you go to Twitter.com and look at at Catelyn's head. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This one with the beer is really entertaining. I'm going to have to send this to some of my non-Storm of Spoilers people and really freak them out one time. Oh, interesting. All right. All right. This is pretty uh this is pretty pretty great stuff, Fred. Yeah. I mean it's great stuff, but like probably someone just made this. But what crazy person made this, right? Mm-hmm. Crazy uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess they're I it's nice it's nice to have hope for a plot line in the future. And you know, Lady Stoneheart uh, trutherism lives on through Catelyn's mm-hmm. head. At least yeah, I'm still it, confident in in our trutherism. Yeah, and it's also uh, at least these stills might be entertaining me for the future as well. In which case, <laughs> it's, it makes it just just as good. All right, so uh, out of Bravos into Essos, where uh, we get a nice uh, dual two hander scene between Jorah and Tyrion about uh, whether or not they should support Daenerys and uh, Lord Mormont's death. Which, how did Tyrion know about? Just because he was Hand of the King and it was his business to know? Did oh, you know, that? someone mm-hmm. sent him a raven, I guess. Oh, there, there you that's go. That's when he was in King's Landing, they still got the newspaper. Oh, yeah. He also <laughs> saw the previously on. The Daily Raven, you know. The, the Daily Raven. <laughs> Daily Raven from the wall. Mutiny at the wall. It would be. Well, I liked, I mean, it was definitely, but it was also, wasn't it foreshadowing you know, he was talking about the mutiny, but he, you know, and that's what's going to happen to John in theory. So, right. Yes, I guess it was a good time uh, to remember that. And it's always a good time to give uh, Jorah something, something to process on the inside that isn't longing. I don't know. It's nice. It was nice to hear him explain why he was following Danny instead of just assuming it was sort of a man crush gone wrong. Not that it isn't a crush gone wrong. But it, it at least sounds like it isn't just that. I want to say something quickly bef- before we get correction emails, which we may not because, okay, I'm going to tell you guys listening, you Storm Spoilers listeners, I like you better than the Cast of Kings listeners because <laughs> you're chiller and you're nicer and you're funnier and you're more fun. Um, anyway, <laughs> hopefully that won't get out. But um, Yes, the, no one listens to this podcast. No, no one will excerpt that and out me. Um, but I think that Bravos is technically in Essos. I mean, I'm looking at the map right now, and it, like that section's also called Andalos. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's all the Essos. continent it's Westeros, of Essos. Essos, and yeah. Southeros. Southeros, yeah. The, the, Got it. So we're yeah. somewhere between Valeria and nowhere, and Slavers Bay. Slavers Bay. Well, yeah, and but so Arya is also in Essos. Is the point? Like half the cast is over in Essos now. Yes, our east versus west divide. Right. Like last season, they were all sort of like dancing around the middle of the Westeros map. Now they're sort of that half is gone. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get from one place to another unless you're Littlefinger and you have super fast horse or something. You have a plane. I believe it. he has a jet. He actually <laughs> has the fourth dragon. <laughs> he, but it's, it's like an invisible a, it's, dragon. It's an invisible dragon that can't shoot any fire, so it's just useful for travel. 
I would uh, enjoy the visual of the scene of him jumping on a giant mockingbird and being like, fly. <laughs> <laughs> Away. <laughs> um, There's trouble anyway. in Winterfell. <laughs> I would like to go back to the Doran Tyrion thing. Oh, we'll be yeah, back to I... Littlefinger jumping on a giant bird later in this Yeah, episode. no, we'll we'll get Littlefinger. We got we got some stuff. There. Yeah. No, that's... Um, but I do I love Jorah's per- the in England's yes. performance in this. I mean, yes. it's just so good. There's so much for him to do that's not dialogue based. Um, I think that you know, while Tyrion's other companion Varys was fun and there was a lot of banter. It's starting to get quite serious the closer they get to Marine with him and Jorah. And, uh, and I think that's really interesting that you can, after seeing the dragon, there's a clear change in Tyrion's demeanor as well. Like it, shit's getting real for both of these guys. So I think that, um, you know, that's good. And then of course the cock merchant thing is really funny. Right. <laughs> And it's also a time that he doesn't want to die, which it seems like he was kind of, uh, I don't know, indifferent to. He becomes most fun when he doesn't want to die. Yeah. Um, The, um, it it, it really helps that Ian Glenn doesn't have Amelia Clark as a scene partner as he has had for his most of his run on the show. Because I just think he can do so much more than what Dora has been allowed to do, which is just like mooning after her, right? Yeah. and so to see him interact with Tyrion both in like, you know, from like a st- like stern removed and then sort of emotional sharing, watching him silently process the fact that he's dying and then um, and then the whole comedy bit with the slavers, which was hilarious, um, you know, because Jorah's like, I'm not playing. OK, I'll play along. Like, you know, it was great. I love you and Glenn. I killed I a blood rider. Yeah. I wish this entire episode had been Ian Glenn, the adventures of Ian Glenn. So. It would be good. What is how who gets caught by the slavers in in the book that isn't Jorah? Well, it's Jorah and Tyrion it's and them. Penny. Oh, it is them. It's just more of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. different and a different one has uh has Grayscale. Well, no, John Connington isn't with them at that point. But Penny should be there, but thankfully she's not. And uh, Tyrion and Jorah are not like friends at that point. They are still hated enemies. So got it. So at the end of the scene, they're with uh, Mister Echo on the way yeah. to Slaver's Bay, where they're going to fight, and Daenerys is going to recognize both of them and hopefully <laughs> save them from slavery. Didn't he say he's bringing them back to Volantis? Like, I don't know. He was going to. And then I think the Tyrion convincing them that Jorah is a great fighter. Now they're going to go to the the, the pits. Is there something they're just going to go straight to Marine? Is there something else to Mm -hmm. do in Volantis that we. No, I just thought, I don't know. I thought like there was another step, like they had to be sold to someone else first. And then we'd see Jorah in the fighting pits. Mm. But that seems, you know, we're already at episode. I don't know. We'll see how long it takes them to get there. Yeah. Basically, we're we're down to the last three. So, wait, no four. No four. Yeah. Yeah. Four. yeah. Um. So I think uh, I think you know this is one of those situations where the efficiency is actually kind of working pretty well because it's it's created a very simple story that everybody can follow and it makes sense why they're going to end up where they're going to end up. Um. So you know. Because we're about to not, we have to sometimes give the show credit for 
Yeah, uh, and this is also you know, this change is a good change. This is also a really good location in terms of how it's shot. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, using like the water in the background for lots of bouncing light and things like that. Uh, it was. This is my favorite segment in the in the episode. Me too. Me too. Far and away. It could uh, it could have just gone on, and I would have been super happy. Yeah, and I mean Dinklage got to be funny, which he hasn't been allowed to be like I don't know since they arrested him. Basically, they were both really good being touching yeah. to each other, and they were both really good being uh, funny, and it involved the word cock merchant. Two words. Two words. It involved the, the. I think this was on the other podcast where was it Dave that said that's the only time that's ever going to be said in the in the history of the, the human d- language. The dwarf lives until we find a cock merchant. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that is. I was it. like, I was like, yeah, that's the first time, but it won't be the last. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like the show is honestly full of, you know, like. A dragon doesn't burn, or like what? I don't know. There's the line every episode. It's got that's great lines. In this episode, actually, as I was watching it again today in preparation for this, this episode has several really good. Oh, zinc- there's the whole Olena stuff for sure. I mean, everything yeah. that comes out of her mouth is awesome. It's golden. And um, the little finger. We'll get to this, but the little finger's little jab at Cersei about the he's like one's choice of companion is a curious thing. I think was. My second favorite line, because you could just see her just like reeling back, like <laughs> just wants to kill that guy, which, you know, she might try. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah. Well, let's uh, hop over Dorne for a second and go to King's Landing where things that I'm more interested in are happening, unfortunately, but we'll get there. Um, yeah. Is this, I understand everything that's happening in King's Landing is basically from Cersei's perspective in the book. You could, right? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So at this what, point, yeah. What is like taking it out and adding all these other characters that I don't know have to see her plans like come to fruition? Are we going to be somehow like more pro Cersei at the end of this? Are we going to understand that she's going crazy? Well, so I think we're meant to like in her interactions with Olena and Littlefinger, where she's clearly outmatched, right? Intelligence wise, mm-hmm. even though like she gets, I mean, she is victorious over Elena to a certain degree, but you know, she's, she's shown the weaker in these two pairings, right? Sometimes we see Cersei get the upper hand, but like even with her interaction with Marjorie, you know, like Marjorie was the wittier one earlier in the season. Right. So I think, yeah, we're just supposed to see Cersei unraveling, feeling more and more desperate, all this sort of stuff. Um, so that when we get more of her madness and when we get the walk of shame, like, I don't know if we're going to feel, um, if we're meant to feel sorry for her or if she's meant to be so sort of either unhinged or evil or whatever that we're meant to revel or maybe some delightful blend of both. But, you know, I, I, I think like with any, like, like with a Jason Bourne movie, it works better if there's a scene partner rather than just like being inside someone's head. Right. So, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, when this was described to me early on earlier episodes of the podcast, it was like, prepare for a lot of drinking. And like, or that really hasn't been it. It's been small little character scenes. I'm just wondering if because we're not spending so much time even from Cersei's perspective, like because Elena's introduced first with her great line about smelling like shit and because Littlefinger is the one who's, you know, pulling the manipulation things, we're not really like in her perspective from this 
until like the last shot where she smiles up post trial or I guess no no before that when she pretends outrage during the trial um that she's so great yeah, i love i over. love lena Headey's like <laughs> fake or is it heady anyway i love her fake mock uh, patently transparently false outrage it's great um yeah i know that's a good question um i think um I, she is drinking in every single scene, though. Like, she's not sloppy drunk. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, she has a glass of wine in every single scene. And that's been true on a low level throughout the series. But I think it's ramping up. But, yeah, probably people don't notice it if they're not looking for it. So. Yeah. I, mean, I, think, um, I think they've done a good job, though, of making it so far her motivation, as far as the show is concerned, is is about protecting her children. It's about protecting the Lannister legacy. It's about this power grab. So I think they're doing a pretty good job of actually making it more about that stuff than it is about her just being drunk. Cause I think that would be a little easy. Um, and I also think they're doing a good job of make, of kind of setting it up. Like kind of playing her at a distance almost right. so that when it does all flip on her, people who don't know it's coming are going to be blown away. And I don't know whether they're going to react positively or negatively or whatever, but they're not going to necessarily see it coming. Like you could kind of feel that this is not a good idea, but I don't think anybody sees her as out of control, which I think is probably pretty important for the show. Like she still seems like she's winning and we just kind of hope that something bad's going to happen. Right. Or just assume because it's the kind of show that it is like, maybe like if you were to throw too much, light on her slowly unraveling it would just become like increasingly obvious that these are all gonna sort mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. become they're playing it coy things. a little bit which i think is is interesting and probably exactly what they need to do well that makes me feel good uh unless <laughs> i guess i'm less sure about what Littlefinger's ultimate plan is outside of just assuming that this battle is going to happen and the knights of the veil may or may not be there uh, yeah, but, good luck with this one. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure being warned in the north is a good outcome, but I don't know if that's the outcome he thinks is actually going to happen. Considering I don't, I still don't understand his plan quite. Other than chaos is a ladder, and I'm willing to go with that. I mean, like Jamie, he might not really have a plan and be like, I'm improvising and throwing. But I like to think that Littlefinger is five moves ahead of everyone. What's become I think clear, his plan? Okay, go ahead. No, go go ahead. Uh, you say yours, and then I, uh, then I'll. Uh... Well, no, just to, like, put himself up as a reasonable ally to everyone and then see who wins. And then he's like, I was on your team. But um, but also I just want to say that the, the uh, HBO Game of Thrones people have made it clear that he miscalculated on Ramsey. <clears throat> that he didn't know that Ramsey was what Ramsey is. So, um, Well, but, like, instead of all of the Boltons being slaughtered by, like, a friendly force, wouldn't it be possible that the Knights of the Vale show up and they're like, we're here to support you, and then they're the ones that commit this, like, giant massacre on the Bolton forces? Yeah, but do, possible. It, do it for Stannis or do it for Cersei? Who's winning at that point? Uh, That's the bigger question. Yeah, I think that would that would be it. But, the, like, the thing is... Yeah, it was in the case. But chaos that's the, the Bolton move. The Boltons did that like multiple times. They're mm. idiots if they fall for that, man, because that's their like signature move. <laughs> Let us in. Well, <laughs> We're on it your would side. Be, 
It would be kind of, you know, obviously ironic, yeah. but it would also show that Littlefinger has learned something from Tywin because essentially the history of the way that the Mad King went down was Tywin basically did that. Like he came back and he's like, here's my fighting force. We're here at King's Landing. We're going to help you. They open up the gates and they killed all the Targaryens. So it's there's an interesting like historical precedent to that. Right. I guess the biggest question right now for me for the Littlefinger plot is does he really care about Sansa? Like, I think that he does. I think that I think he miscalculated so on Ramsay. Yeah. So I think that when push comes to shove, if if he's in a position where he's bringing the Knights of the Vale to Winterfell, he's going to do, A, whatever says Sansa, and then in the end, he wants the North, and he doesn't care what Cersei thinks. Because I think he can see what we can see, that Cersei, the whole thing's falling apart. Like... I think that's then that's why it's that? kind of important for him to see Lancel and the Sparrows. Like he can see that King's Landing, he might be ultimately just charading around so that he can eventually cut ties and be like, okay, the North is mine. Good luck with whatever's happening down south. But what is this royal writ getting him? Like he seemed to be angling for this writ, but if uh, but if he's not recognizing Cersei's authority, then that writ doesn't mean anything to him, right? Maybe it's something to convince the Lords of the Vale because they're still not super on his team That's maybe true. it's something that to help convince the lords of the vale hey we need to go take winterfell for yeah. the crown okay okay that 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 makes sense to me so he wants to be with sansa, sansa sansa in the north and be in the most powerful position possible so but he can't just offer up his help for nothing for cersei so he asks to be warden and then gets this writ to get the knights to Winterfell, where he will suddenly realize horrible things have happened to Sansa, kill the Bolton forces, and turn around and be like, I have your living Stark to Stannis? Maybe. Yeah, and maybe he'll be like, cool, Stannis, we got the North. Go on your way. And be like, together, we are Here you go. The That's, powerful yeah. enough to take the take That's a happy ending. That's not in the books. Take um, this mead for the road. <laughs> One thing that I will... Uh, then he hops on his bird. Is <laughs> super is lightning fast giant mockingbird. Giant mockingbird. Um, one thing I will say, sort of, you know, looking forward, is you know Neil and I watched, and I don't know if Dave, you got a chance to watch it. Watched this featurette on HBO Go about um, Sansa and Winterfell, and there was an interview with um, the actor who plays Ramsay, and his face was bloody and beaten. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, do you notice that too? Yeah, so you know it's all in the details with Joanna. Something's <laughs> something's coming for Ramsey, right? Because they, whenever they did this interview, you know, like Sophie Turner's hair was red again. Like this is, you know, a future late season. Yeah, late season. Um, did you also notice that behind him was sort of the same kind of encampment yeah. tents that we've seen in the preview of the next episode where Stannis is? Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if Ramsey and Roose try to pull something with Stannis's camps that maybe see. And, and here's where the books might he tie definitely in. 100% look like he was in Stannis's camp giving that interview yeah. for sure. Um, and this, this might, because what happens in the books is that Stannis gets kind of waylaid in the North. And at the end of the books, he's just sort of stuck because the snow is terrible. He has to go deal with Moat Kalen or no, is it Moat Kalen or is it Deepwood Mott? It's one of those. Wherever, wherever Theon's sister is. Yeah, there's a the whole yard stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He goes and he deals with that. He takes her prisoner. He kills a bunch of Ironborn. And they're going to go take Winterfell, but this huge snowstorm just clobbers them. Um, and there's a questionable whether or not he's alive. <laughs> so Exactly. But he like the whole, is, like, I think. Stannis lives and he and Littlefinger High Five is, like, way off the book, Feels right? like it. Sure. Uh, because the way the books leave it is Stannis, we don't know what's happened to Stannis, but presumed defeated. You know, it's, it's very like George R. R. Martin to pull the rug out from under that and say like, nope, just kidding. He won. Yay. But, um, yeah, Stannis presumed defeated. Um, and the, the, like the winter, the snow stuff we know is coming because we, we've seen from the trailer, Celise in the, in the snow and Brienne in, in like deep snow. So mm-hmm. we know that, that, uh, you know, winter is definitely coming down to Winterfell. Um, they've been telling it, us this whole time. Yeah. Right. Coming. But, but they're going to deliver. Spoilers. So, yeah. Winter is coming. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's kind of boring that like Stannis is brought down by the weather, but. You know, we'll see if they come up with a more It'd be classic Stannis, though. <laughs> we'll see if they come up with a, and that's the whole thing about like why they might burn Shireen, is to like combat Keep the warm. weather. Yes, <laughs> gather around the fire of the burning. Child. Everybody knows little girl <laughs> is the best fire fuel. That's Aww. dark. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know what? Here's another crazy theory. Since you know we're visiting the Citadel this week again. Um, what if, what if Shireen doesn't, Catelyn's head. <laughs> <laughs> what if Shireen doesn't, um, get burned? What if Ramsay kills her and Stannis is ultimately paying the price for bringing his daughter, which is what Davos told him not to do. I like that. And then Ramsay then... is going to kill a little girl after he yeah. raped Sansa. <laughs> I mean, and then he gets his, I don't I, Hopefully he gets his at the end of this. I didn't really think this through. But, um, and then he eats the rest of Davos's fingers. And I mean, <laughs> it would, you know, I feel like they really are pushing. Obviously, they're pushing Ramsay as the worst thing ever. Well, they miss Joffrey. They're, they seem pretty okay with that. Um, I think. I think they know that the show is not as fun without Joffrey to hate. Right. Mm-hmm. So having so Ramsay like, kill Shireen would be. That's crazy. Really rough. Um, but it would also, it would also play into a bunch of stuff they've already foreshadowed. The fact that Shireen is like marked for death because she's been having so many happy moments. The fact that Davos was like, dude, we shouldn't take your wife and daughter with us. This is going to get bad. The fact that we know Ramsey's kind of around those camps. Maybe uh, Ramsey will kill Ghost and make himself uh, a ghost pelt and wear it proudly. <laughs> Wait, this theory is coming together. I have more. Um, so <laughs> Ramsay kills Shireen and then um, Stannis sends Melisandre and Selyse back to the wall. And that's how Melisandre is there for Jon's big to moment. To save Jon Snow from the, uh-huh. stab, the stab of Ollie. Okay. All right. It's, you know, it's in the Citadel. With where we have our great table of of crazy and <laughs> I really like whatever gets that. Melisandre back to the wall. I really need her to go back there. <laughs> She's got to get back there somehow. Otherwise, that well, I mean, she didn't have to. We don't know that that happens. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, that's just someone's getting theory. drugged into the 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 forest at the end of the season by right? the Night King. Yeah. No, I mean, I think and a lot, what a lot of people think is going to happen is that John is going to warg, but I just don't think that's happening on the show, at least. I don't think Kit Harrington is warging into, 
<laughs> to it's like a raven. Tough. No. All right. Um. So yeah. So I, I just call it a crazy Neil theory, but if Ramsey ends up murdering a child, <laughs> I don't think we're all going to be surprised. Yeah, well, at least yeah, now at I can, you know, s- yeah, steal myself for other horrible things because I kind of s- was expecting this uh, episode. Well, I think this week he did the events. thing that we thought he was going to do. He yeah. did the terrible thing we thought he was going to do and hoped he wouldn't. Right. Um, I so I think maybe they're saving something weeks. that he, maybe they're saving something terrible for him to do that we don't know is coming. The, that is that is very possible. It's also further on the debate of whether or not the show knows what it's doing uh, with some of these things. But uh, now that we are through the passable and fun theorizing parts of the episode, let's talk about uh, the places this episode fell short. Well, getting... quickly, quickly though, do we think Loris is going to die, or do we think oh, oh, Fulci oh, yeah, and Marjorie did... are going to get saved? I did want to oh, yeah, and I have another question as yeah, well this... about the King's Landing stuff. Yeah, okay. I like this King's Landing stuff, because I did want to bring up the fact that this is different in the sense that this is more of a leaning on Loris and then tricking Marjorie into lying as opposed of Marjorie kind of sleeping with other people, uh, which is book-wise what happens, correct? You know what it does, though? It does give them a fairly plausible reason for when Marjorie ultimately gets released. That it's like... Because it, the, the case against her is so thin that it's like... What she's in prison now because she knew because she walked that her in on something was gay. and didn't react enough. So eventually, I think that will be the reason she's gonna, you know, simmer in prison for a little bit, and then she eventually gets out. Um, and I feel like once it once the attention turns to Cersei, it'll make it plausible for them to be like, "Oh yeah, Marjorie, this this isn't that big of a deal," you know. But Loras, he in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Damn birthmark shaped like Dorn. Oh my god, that's, that, you, that was that my... there's no other way for you to have seen if you were, say, his squire who dresses him. Oh, that's, that's a good point. Oh, that's frustrating. Um, but from from the uh, visual recaps that we put up on the Storm of Spoilers, and I tweeted out as well. That was my favorite frame. I don't know. I don't remember the name of the person who does that, but they're so good. Chris C C H R Y S. Chris watches right. GOT. Love that guy. Chris Pers- watches GOT. That human. Did a screen cap of Loris like lunging at Oliver, and the caption was like, "Unless the like birthmark is up my ass, you have shit, Your Honor." Like <laughs> it's so true. It's like the birthmark means nothing. So yeah, it's the whole case. Loris just need to keep his cool, silly. man. He just need to keep his cool. He would have yeah, been fine. Yeah. Um, I do have a question. Um, because Lady Olena is in the books, she's not involved in any of this. Right. And in the show, we know she's a player. Like, she is the player. Um, she's pretty OG. And the looks that she's giving Cersei, especially towards the end of that when they're dragging out her grandchildren, are uh, pretty hardcore. So let's go back to the Citadel for a second. And okay. yeah. mm-hmm. tell me what you guys think. Like, how does Lady Olena fit into the way this all has to go down? Do you think she's the one who outs... Cersei and maybe convinces Lancel or um yeah I, I like that if she's the one who persuades Lancel to uh, tell on Cersei that mm-hmm. sounds or like an, an 11 move. Oh. um 
What's the status? So this? Cersei, Cersei's very good at getting everybody's uh, side piece to turn on them. Because she did it with yeah. Tyrion last year, and she did it with uh, Oliver this year. So it's about time she gets a little bit of that business back. Yeah, and otherwise, why like have Lancel so prominently featured at like the top of the scene? They're kind of keeping him around. But what's mm. the status of the High Sparrow at the end of whatever book we're at the end of? He's still sort of in power, right? Yeah, he's on top. Yeah, no, he's yeah. in power. Like the end, the the whole thing ends. Cersei does her walk. She's just knocked all the way down, essentially. Kevin is back, which I hope the show does, because I think just having a guy named Kevin around is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and he becomes He's the, the hand, regent. Hand? Oh, regent. Yes. He becomes the regent to Tommen. And Marjorie is out, but she goes. I almost interpreted it. I probably did it, interpreted it wrong. Um, but I almost interpreted it like she has to go hang with some nuns or something, hang with some septas for a while and like be reformed. Uh, yeah but she's okay like she's fine loris is badly burned um which i don't (laughs) know if that's gonna happen very badly burned Uh, very badly burned (laughs) it's just a flesh wound though i think he'll survive no he dies doesn't he die no he's not dead yet he's like dying um and marjorie i think marjorie hasn't gone on trial yet like marjorie's still awaiting trial yeah she's been released from prison she's on bail yeah she's on bail she's out on bail Interesting. Then so I the want- High Sparrow is still yeah. ruling the Sept. Uh, yeah. He's, he's very powerful at the end of the, of the latest book. All right. So then it's not possible, but I want Lady Olena to sleep with the High Sparrow. Just, you know. <laughs> just be like, oh, Cersei, you're going to go around. I'm going to go around too. It's um, all the famous tartiness. Yeah. It's going around. It's going to tart it up from that shit smelling <laughs> King's Landing. I do like she she feels like a natural fit for you know cuz she's backed into a corner at this point. She's very upset about her grandchildren. She seems to like them very much. And um I, she feels like a good fit for the person who blows the whistle on Cersei and then you know cuz somebody's got somebody in her area has to know that it was Lancel. Right. You know, Lancel was the one that Cersei was sleeping with. Well, I mean, Littlefinger knows, you know. Yeah. So Littlefinger could also help. He he could slip that to the old lady on his way out <laughs> on his mockingbird. Um, slip that to the old lady is my new favorite euphemism for whatever. <laughs> it's going to happen with Littlefinger and Aletta. <laughs> I just I secretly kind of hope for one more scene with the two of them, which could yeah. be fun. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because we're not going to get a whole lot more. I don't know. If, if Littlefinger doesn't stick around in King's Landing, then he's going to be off doing his Mockingbird stuff again. So, the, and those scenes were, were actually quite fun this week, um, between all of them. I wish there was more. Uh, yeah, I like, uh, I like the politics. Miss, miss the politics. But, you know, I've always been like that, unlike the rest of everybody's audience who wants sword fights and Arya to kill somebody. I'm always down for some good political moves. I, I want, like, the, with the, the Westeros West Wing. The Westeros mm-hmm. Wing. Uh, yeah. Westeros I should have got that the first, the first time through. <laughs> Apologize, listeners. I need to be sharper on my puns. Aaron Sorkin's The Red Keep. Hey, there we go. All right. Now to weirdness. Down in Dorne, or 
Indorn, outside of the town of Sunspear, or Indorn in the town of Sunspear, is a garden. It's not even... It's a a garden (laughs) that is a town. I don't know how many gardens there are. One of my essential problems, as I've outlined thoroughly with the whole treatment of Dorn, is when we see Dorn in the title, in the credits... It's just Dorn, which would be like showing Winterfell and being like, it's the north. Um, There are two different cities in uh, Dorn. One is called Sunspear. It's the capital. That's not where they are. They're in the Water Gardens, which is on the, which is like the, it's basically the Camp David of Dorn, where it's like where Doran (laughs) goes to chill. Um, I think they're just alighting those two locations for the purpose. Yeah, which. Come on, guys. Which makes you very We're smart angry. enough to figure it out. It does. It may, like that's my that's the silly version of my outrage about the Dorn stuff is that <laughs> they couldn't even get the map right. Um, but yeah, so they're in the water gardens and um everyone has a crappy plan to get Marcella. Well, I think uh, that's the summary of this. Okay, here's the, yes, everyone has a crappy everyone's plan. Everyone's plan Marcella. sucks. Marcella's in love, seemingly genuinely. Which mm-hmm. is, you know, that's nice to see. Uh, King Gout is like, isn't that a thing? But here's my question. How does everybody know exactly when Jamie and Braun are going to get there? Uh, like, I understand that the boat guy told somebody, but did he tell the Martells and, and the king? It's a really, Martell? really I don't, good guess. I, well, I don't think that the Snanstakes had any, um, their plan had nothing to do with Jamie. So the fact that they knew Jamie was coming doesn't mean anything. It and, just made them go faster with their plan. And then Prince Doran, like, his, like, hey, Ariel Hota, go down and guard my son and his fiance, had nothing to do with anything. He was just like, a Martel and a Lannister in love. How dangerous. Go guard them. Like, <laughs> and coincidentally, a bunch of people are about to show up. I mean, it in was the like... next scene, you are going to have to use your axe. Be ready. <laughs> he sounded um... like an assistant director. <laughs> but uh, someone emailed me about this, and I should have remembered this because I also watched the sort of Dana Life of Game of Thrones video. But when they shot at the Alcazar in Seville, uh, which made for beautiful scenery, they had very little time to do it. Yeah, that, so that makes, makes sense. sense. That makes sense why it was broad fucking daylight, which made no sense for the scene, right? And why maybe the stunts weren't that great because maybe they didn't have time to like get it looking good because they had to be in and out because they got control of this whole castle that is open to the public usually, you know? So they're like, okay, we have a day or whatever to shoot all the scenes that we need to shoot here, you know? So, which is another essential problem with the treatment of Dorn in Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's, it's all rush. They're rushing through it like it's this little diversion, whereas in the books, it's far more interesting than that. I guess, <sighs> but I mean, I would much rather they have shot that on a back lot and gotten it right, right? With some shrubs right. and and arches and gotten it right, you know? Because so. they got it, it, it very well. And I think in watching it the second time, I'm convinced that the choreography of the fight scene. Not terrible. Um, it's the, the way it's edited kind of makes it like, what are we watching here? Like, who's fighting who and all that. But like, when you really kind of dial into it, the problem is everything that comes before and everything that comes after, uh, is the whole, like, you know, the happenstance of them all being there at once. 
the fact that the guards knew where Alaria was at the end, it's like, how do they know that? Like, was she like 20 feet away or something? She, she was like, "Go fly!" She's like the Maleficent <laughs> of the right. The, the fact that they've they've kind of turned the the Sand Snakes into these weird caricatures. Um, I like someone who called someone called them glorified action figures. You know, uh, like yeah. They, somebody in one of my emails called them. Uh, yeah, they call them Power Rangers, leatherclad yeah. Power Rangers. Yeah, which I think but like, pretty appropriate. Uh, I I mean, finding Alaria, I don't know. Like, what if she just has a place that she often hangs out when she is is scheming her schemes and they're like oh let's go to alaria's scheme room oh yeah her. we know we know where she's at <laughs> she's in the scheme room but like it did not make sense to me that ariel hota knew who jamie was like yeah, on site. especially not dressed like jamie lannister i know and, like with a with a disguise on not a great disguise but he had a disguise on and he was unless like unless the guards were like sitting off watching him try to steal marcel <laughs> and they're like oh okay now it's our time well, so is <laughs> is that the person the boat people told? Then the, ki- no, the told- king side. No, she, they, they told, told Obara. Right. They told yeah, they told the Sand Snakes. I don't. So. Okay, so just stupid. I tried to I tried to save it. Didn't work. So out. the it's- boat the boat informant thing had zero payoff, right? Yeah. Right. We can talk Other about than, how, how Bron. Well, oh, you guys, we haven't talked yet about how Bron didn't die in the scene. Well, how the axe didn't even swing at his head; it was Nicolette Coaster Waldo's head, and how maybe he will die because he probably got poisoned by Tyene's knife. Yes, the poison thing. Although, can we talk about that thing that we we were passing around earlier in the, the week about the audition scene? Yeah, because I actually think that's kind of cool. Like that's a much cooler way to play that than him just dying. If if Tyene gives him the antidote, yeah, and if she's kind of playful with him, because they kind of had that moment at the end of the scene, which I think they were trying to make a point of, where he's like, "You fight like, good for a little girl," and she's like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you." Yeah. Like, I'm right gonna, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah, hold uh, me back, hold maybe, me back. Then it must be a slow acting poison, right? <laughs> they got if all they kinds have- of stuff in Dorn. <laughs> If they have time to just like chill and, you and bond a little bit, <laughs> you wouldn't know that show. from the way the show's treating it. But they've got all yeah. kinds of poisons in Dorne. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I mean, he's definitely poisoned. Whether or not he dies, we don't know. I mean, this scene ultimately just made me miss the Dorne in the books, which I, I found far more interesting. And the the whole idea, I think the problem, the most problematic thing is turning the Sand Snakes in Andalaria into bad guys essentially and turning them against the thing that Oberyn said you know the we don't we don't hurt little girls in Dorne and right. and their their whole plan initially is like oh let's just go hurt the little girl and start right. a war right so i don't i th- i feel like it's not true like it just it reads it's to me it's not nuanced right it's very similar but in no way in the same arena as the Jamie Cersei scene from last year where it's like clearly the show just read it wrong from the books and they chose to make it something different, and it ended poorly. In that situation, far more poorly. But in this situation, it just makes it boring and untrue to the characters that they're depicting. It feels more like moving chess pieces with a little fight in the middle because nobody's plan makes any sense. And I'm sure I'm going to be able to rejoin it and enjoy scenes where people are actually talking to each other. But yeah, let's go grab this girl and ride her out of the garden 
Mm-hmm. It was everybody's plan, and it just seemed like a weird time for in the middle of the day because that's what the shooting schedule requires. <laughs> right, um, and at the same time, at the same time in right. the middle of the day, coincidentally, because we only have oh, a couple hours to shoot this. Plus, Ariel Hotel's here with his axe that he re- definitely remembers how to use. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I never I would, doubted him. I I always thought that he would figure out how to use that axe. <laughs> how yeah, we hard did the line really of like, <laughs> do you remember how, how to long use your has axe? it been? <laughs> He's a huge dude with a giant axe. I'm pretty sure he can figure it out. <laughs> um, yeah, Dorn, you suck. Uh, but let's get Alexander. Sit- sad, Dorn. Wait, wait. Let's- are we accusing this episode of being racist? No. Okay. No. Just because he's a black guy, it, knows how to use, doesn't know how to use an axe. No, we're good. No, no he's um. That's yeah, a weird no. racist thing to say. Like that's a weird stereotype. I'd be okay with if the show was a, a plumbing that stereotype. I don't think so. I think this is one criticism I'm not going to get on board with. Um, no, I was just uh, I was trying to maybe uh, to throw a throw a flare in another that- direction. I'm this episode hoping- is a lot of things. <laughs> racist probably. Not racist I mean, against. it might be. We can talk about like Mr. Echo and being a slaver and I don't know. Like people have an issue with like Salador San being a pirate. So – but I don't want to talk about that. What I do want to talk about is um, my Access. hope – my hope is that the future – all future scenes because the future scenes that we've seen um, take our interior shots. Um they're in other beautiful tiled rooms, so I'm just hoping it's not the interior of the same castle and they're under the same co- time constraints. I hope they have luxurious amounts of time to shoot these dialogue scenes that are coming up between Alaria, give Alexander Siddig some more lines, please, and Nicola Costa Waldo, et cetera, et cetera. Like, I hope, you know, they just have some nice dialogue scenes coming up. Well, they have because to do So far, Dorn, <laughs> no thank you. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be some kind of plan like i know we've seen in behind the scenes that there is a conversation with laria and jamie and doran mm-hmm. i just i have no idea where this is gonna go because without arian martell oh this is my other crazy theory can i can i do this now yeah good timing my, my other crazy theory is that it's possible that arian martell could exist in the show i feel like they would have said something about her so far but in the books, Ariane is in Sunspear ruling Dorne, and Doran is in the Water Gardens chilling out with his gout. And so I'm not even going to let you set foot in our citadel. You have to stay in the crazy dinghy for this one. <laughs> <laughs> well, so the one thing that has made, had me most curious about the Dorne plot line, other than how did it get so bad so quickly, um, is what happens to Jamie? Like, does he make it out? Does he make it out with or without Marcella? Because in the books, she's still there. Um, so the question is, you know, is it possible that they are playing a longer version of the Dorn storyline? This is probably my heart just hurting after writing that article that I wrote today on filmschoolrejects.com. Um, so what if Jamie's still in Dorn at the end of this season? He decides he's not going back to Cersei. He wants to stay and protect his daughter. And then next season, we meet Ariane. She becomes love interest for Jamie. She enacts her plan, which is to make Marcella the queen because she's older than Tommen. And then Dorne, they believe that women can rule. Right. Um, and they play that whole thing out with Jamie uh, 
and a new love interest who's going to be awesome. And so, you know, I have hope a little bit. It's listen, it's, I will let your, I will let you dock the dinghy, but I will not like get off the dinghy <laughs> because I do agree with you that I would like to see Ariane Martel, Ariane Martel, and I would like to see Nicola Costa Waldo have a love interest who's not his sister or. But yeah. I think I think most it's people. It's totally implausible. I know. I think most people think that Jamie's gonna um, be set on a path towards Brienne soon, right? If we're gonna get any yeah, of that book stuff really, happening, is he really going to leave Dorne without his daughter? Not without my daughter. Um, <laughs> the Jamie Lannister story. Um, and if and if something happens to Marcella, that's bad. Well, what if what if he dead. knows? What if he knows? What he gets to know Prince Duran. I mean, he's, he's already like, met okay, Tristan, who is like a lovely, handsome young fellow. You know, and what if he sees that they like Marcella and they're, you know, as long as they keep the evil, no good, very bad sand snakes away from her, that she'll be safe. I like the idea that uh, was in our fake spoiler mm-hmm. post, which is just Marcella has her necklace. And Jamie's like, oh, shit. Yeah, did we look for the necklace? Does she have the necklace on? No, she's wearing some dumb flower. I mean, Marcella's costume... Not my fave. All Marcella of her interesting. Interesting. <laughs> I called him the Rico Suave of Dorn. <laughs> he's really he's he is the rich douchebag of Dorn. <laughs> like his everything's so perfectly embroidered. Like I can see why he and the Lannister girl get along so well. They should do like an entourage of Dorn thing. And it's Tristane. Yeah, it was Tristane. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. It's too good. It's too good. I like, I do like the idea of some sort of Jamie reversal, but I I like, I think I like him going towards Brienne better. And I mean, I like the reversal either way. Like the reversal would be cool because that would allow him to go look for Brienne and meet up with Lady Stoneheart and get killed. I mean, that's all good. Yeah. No, I like the idea that he's just like, my daughter's happy. Seems like you guys have a pretty good idea to make her queen. I'm not going to object to that. Uh, Peace out. Other than these crazy sand snakes over here, no one seems to want to hurt her. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess that means the sand snakes would probably have to be dealt with somehow. Maybe well, they and it's, Bronn... it's It's Ilaria's plan. So if Ilaria calls it off or if Doran presents them with a better option, I feel like that's the way they are in the books, too, where it's like the sand snakes are a good weapon to be pointed in a direction by someone more strategic. Right. Um, so they, they really act upon plans that other people have kind of set forth, uh, at least thus far. So I think if, if they convince Ilaria that there's a greater Dornish plan to avenge Oberyn and Elia, then right. uh, so she you, might be like, oh, I, all right, fine, we won't kill your daughter. If you flip Jamie and he knows the real state of things in King's Landing, couldn't you then set the Sand Snakes and everybody on, like, the real revenge? Well, I mean, mm-hmm. soon Jamie finds out about Cersei. He does in the books. <clears throat> like, he'll find out about Lancel. Mm-hmm. Which... He finds out about Cersei's crime, yeah. Right. So, you know, he's going to find out about that. So, you know, by whatever, you know, daily newspaper it was that Tyrion was getting when he found out that the Lord Commander was dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think at the end of... At the end of a the the feast for crows the fourth book uh one of the sand snakes i think it's obara is sent to take the dornish uh council seat yeah she sits on the which, 
on the small council. She sits on the small council in King's Landing. So I think that's interesting. And I feel like Keisha Castle Hughes is the kind of actress they'd want to keep around. I hope not because she's not very good in this role. <laughs> I hope they send Alaria instead. Because for all the like cartoonishness that they're making people do, uh, Indira Varma is much better than Keisha Castle Hughes. So far. So far. Mm-hmm. So far. I mean, we'll see. I don't know. I. Plus, Keisha Castle Hughes is on some other TV show. So my heart hurts for this Dornish storyline all the way through. So unless something amazing happens in the next four episodes, I think I'm gonna just cry silently in my corner of Crazy Town. (laughs) Yeah. No, the the Sand Snakes seem like a huge whiff to me, Mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, which. Like I was saying, it occasionally we hope that the show is knows what it's doing, and uh, it's recently it seems like they don't know what they're doing necessarily. Like I believe is the truth with the placement of our next sequence of events. <laughs> um, yeah, we're in Winterfell. Sansa gets married to Ramsay. Horrible things happen to her. Probably breaks Theon wide open, so at least he could come back from Reek. Uh, that's what the, the, that does. Miranda, oh, oh yeah. Sansa does have a scene with Miranda where finally she calls her on her bullshit, which was nice for me as somebody watching it and just like filled with terror the second we get to Winterfell, which I was, uh, every time we've been to Winterfell since Sansa's been there. Just terror. But now, you know, like a fever, maybe that terror's broke, or at least... I have a wound that's already there, so it could put salt in it, maybe. But the wound, the wound was made, and that wound is poor writing and decision making. <laughs> uh, um, well, yeah. I do think um, there's a couple of things that were. There's, I mean, there's nothing good about this whole sequence, but there's a couple of things that the show did that I can appreciate. One is the Sansa and Miranda scene, which only makes what what happens after worse, right. I think. But that scene by itself is really good. Yes. Um, the performances of the three actors in the final scene is, they're all really, really well done. I mean, hey, we... Paychecks earned. We can... we I think we almost universally disagree with the story choice, but the performance is, is really solid. And then the product... I like the production design of the wedding. Like the episode had me until the wedding was over. Right. Like I was like, okay, this wedding, super creepy. I love that it's in the oh, gods. Yeah. We really haven't seen that. And I Sansa's love Sansa's like, dress. Yeah. Like her dress is great. The way she handles the reek situation is, is kind of what you would hope for her. The way she handles the Miranda situation is what you hope for her. And then in, it just all falls apart at the and end. And something she, something Sophie Turner said in the, uh, video we were referencing on HBO Go was um, that Theon was wearing Rob Stark's clothing, which I didn't notice. Oh, um, also was, really interesting touch. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I just I've been watching a lot of horror movies recently. I went even went to the Stanley Film Festival and watched like three absolutely new horror movies, and that had a very similar atmosphere for me as a viewer. Where just like because there's the thick layer of something horrible is going to happen, the entire wedding, I my all my senses were heightened, um, and you know that could be how you release that tension is ultimately the artfulness of building that sort of tension, but in terms of like yeah the atmosphere of the wedding and the specific language of the wedding, 
I think it really worked in terms of making me feel more and more horrible about myself, which I think they were going for. Like, I don't know that. I mean, this episode, the end of this episode, they knew they had to know that this was going to be, I mean, I think they knew in the interviews, the actors knew, but the show knows that this is going to be terrible for people. Right. And it's the decision I think that, to make it terrible that way when they, right. they could have made anything terrible is, I think, whatever. And I think feels. that one of the things I mentioned in my recap, which I thought might be my best point about this, um, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong, is that the show really is in love with shock value. Yes. And I don't know if they necessarily understand what makes some of that stuff work. Because up to this point... It's all been on the hard work of George Martin and the stories that he created. And they've been very faithful in adapting everything up to all the shocking moments. This is the first, well, I guess we could say that the Cersei and, and Jamie thing from last year was a, you know, a choice that they made. But that, to me, honestly, was like they just read, absolutely read that wrong and right. made the wrong choice. But it, it, they go together um, in that they, are making choices to shock and punish the audience because they think that's what the audience sticks around for when they really didn't have, I mean, this is obviously a situation where they didn't have to do this. Um, right. You know, well, well, I read a really long article on Vanity yeah. Fair about how <laughs> they didn't have to go there and that's, it's true. I mean, um, even if that was the goal, they're more effective things to do like you mm-hmm. know i would be just as terrified if you know ramsey scarred sansa's arm with like a goddamn knife like it, my visual mm-hmm. reaction would be the same it's knowing how to wield the thing for a story purpose that makes that worthwhile which i think is the point that all cogent people are making about this scene regardless of how you <laughs> feel about it um, but like, yeah, it's, it's just really weird and it reads as lazy. So lazy. Um, yeah, absolutely. And that's not anything you want. And it reads as lazy because it's something that they have gotten shit for twice in the past. Once at least with the Danny wedding, which made the wedding point just fine. If that's, you know, what we think this is actually saying or like the whatever. And then, um, the, so yeah, the Cersei uh, Jamie thing from last season, which I might even think is just like somebody like didn't know how to edit the audio in the correct way and like against the video. It's like that was really on a balance for me. If like I don't know if they leaned into an interpretation uh, wrong or if they sort of suddenly found themselves in a you know everybody saw it how it was incorrectly assembled. But this one definitely is just like they. If the, if they have a dice with shocking thing on it, they need a twenty sided die, not a four sided die. <laughs> with three sides that say rape and one side says death. One is beheading, and then yeah, the other. I mean, one of them is like stabbing an unborn child. Which you know, if that one comes up again, I'm you know also lazy. I take well, that um, over this. Um, but uh, I think that really the most problematic thing is the execution of this scene. Yeah, is or, that it, it becomes about Theon at the end, 
Which and is I'm still also wrong. yeah, and also <laughs> the the intention is clearly about Theon. Um, a lot of people are saying it's too early to um, understand what their intention was, but when you see them talk about why they did the scene, which they did in that Brian Cogman interview with Entertainment Weekly, there was also some stuff from Weiss and Benioff where they're talking about like, we really loved this plot in the book, but we didn't want to introduce Jane Poole. So we thought we'd just slot Sansa in there. So really, no, this is not about Sansa's journey at all. This is about having this thing for Theon, for Reek to snap him out of it. So whatever they're saying, and like, it's so weird. I mean, I really am not going to, Sorry, I'm really not going to like rant all about this again, I promise. But I just... It's a- There's some good ranting available from Joanna's side if somehow you <laughs> ended a- up here without reading it or listening to it. Well, but and I mean- also, I, 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 uh, the one thing that I didn't... I don't think you got a chance to talk about um, on the other podcast, which I'm really interested in, is what happens next? What's the fallout to all of this? Which I, I'm really curious to get your take on. Well, right. And I mean, there's a million ways it could go. And none of it, I feel like, will justify this. I mean, justify is such a weird way to talk about storytelling. But none of it makes this necessary, right? Mm, right, Um, right. No matter how, like, hardened or empowered or whatever Sansa becomes. And no no matter how, um, you know, changed Theon is. None of it, to me, hinges on rape. Some article I read today, I think it was on... Oh, I forget where I read it. Anyway, her point, the only point that I agreed with in her entire article where she was talking about how this experience turns the relationship between Theon. It's not just about snapping Theon out of a, a daze, right? It's about turning the relationship between Sansa and Theon from like ice cold to bonded. We went through this shit together sort of thing, mm-hmm. which is true. This scene does – this is the one thing this scene accomplishes. But I agree with – I think what both of you guys said, which is that that could be accomplished without rape, honestly. Um, I mean, it could have been accomplished with just making Theon watch and not having it be such a terrible experience for Sansa. Or you could have just accomplished it by (laughs) uh, having Theon tell Sansa he didn't kill her brothers. And then just the horrible (laughs) that of what happened to Reek is just enough because Sansa is an empathetic person, unfortunately. Well, but he still also did kill some little boys. So, well, I mean, um, okay, it's, but like she doesn't care and was at this like point. instrumental She's... in burning Winterfell. But um, <clears throat> if anybody I... knows how you get like fucked trying to avoid your last name, <laughs> it's Sansa. <laughs> uh, sorry, that was a horrible <laughs> turn of phrase, but you know what I meant. No, but I think yeah. I think it's true that she could have had some. Um, and when we talk about agency, we talk about like how in this particular scene. She had no agency, right? Right. Right. She was quite helpless. Um, she made a decision to marry him. She knew she had a wedding night coming. She had agency and all of that. But in this particular isolated incident, she had no agency. And I think that was a mistake because I think we could have seen Sansa manipulating Ramsay a little bit. But, it, but you know, and that still could have gotten us our end goal if she had worked him a little bit and it had accomplished her goal. Um Honestly, that's what I expected to happen. What the way they built Sansa's character this year, I kind of expected. I didn't expect it to necessarily all go well, right? But but a little. I expected her to be a more active participant in the playing of this game, especially when you know you see her look at Ramsay after he's clearly messed up about Roose saying that they're going to have a boy. Like you can see her working it out. 
Yeah. It's weird. Like either, either the show doesn't think that she is as good at this game as they've made her out to be, which I don't think is true. I really honestly believe that they think Sansa is a player. They just, this choice doesn't fit that at all. Well, that was that weird in that video when they were like, she's not a pawn. She's not a victim. She's a player. Mm -hmm. She's Littlefinger's protege. She knows what she do. All that happened is that she and Littlefinger miscalculated Ramsay. And I'm like, okay, but she's not a player at all in this particular scene here. She's playing nothing. Like she's trying it like right when she walks in the room. But like, I I would just like to see some sort of middle ground of like her Mm -hmm. doing something a bit more, you know, to, I I mean, I don't know. And I'm not saying, I'm not like, of course, blaming the victim or anything like that, but I just, um, yeah, lazy, horribly bungled. We, we've been over this. Right. Uh, Well, and I don't think, I don't think it's blaming the victim in that case. It's, it's blaming the execution. It's blaming the people who are creating this character, her story on the fly, which I think is absolutely valid because it's, you know, it's the second time they've made a, a choice to adapt something from the books and they've gotten it just wrong. Like in, obviously in the books, there is a scene like this, but their choice was to put Sansa in it. And I think that they, they, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to make changes to Sansa's story, change it, you know, don't, don't just say, Oh, Sansa's this really great player. And then all of a sudden she's Jane Poole and she's a, you know, second tier character who's just there to be a victim. Right. I don't think that's the right way to play it. So I I think we agree. Yeah. So um, Littlefinger's gonna fly in on his mockingbird and just yeah. peck Ramsey's so that, head until the brains come out. The big question here now, you know, obviously we get what they're going for, which is the to align Sansa and Theon. Um I think we saw that in the next week on where they're they're talking and Sansa says, you know, I my family still has friends in the north. The question is to what end? Um, is it just to escape like it happens in the books with Theon and Jane? Is it to seek revenge on the Boltons? Like my, my thought now that knowing what I know now about like seeing the video where Ramsey's clearly near Stannis is Ramsey probably leaves and Sansa and Theon escape and run into Brienne and Pod. And then they all run into Stannis. Mm. Like that's, if I had to make a pretty safe prediction about how this is going to go, which you know, it's not making anything, any of the stuff we just talked about any better. It's actually making it worse. Right. But well, it, it just, it, that feels like the, where it's headed. Let's, let's say something horrible happened and the show doesn't understand what it did and we pick back up and Sansa's a player again. Does she leave? Because she's still redheaded Sansa Stark running around the north. Does she think she could be hid? And if so, is she hiding from Littlefinger? Or is she just waiting until he gets back because she'll save her? Uh, like- it's kind of the big question. And I think that's that's really where, you know, this is the tough part about reviewing stuff week to week is we don't have the context of where it's all going. Right. Um, well, it's never stopped us before. It's, and it's not going to stop us ever. <laughs> but I think the big question with Sansa now is, you know, what does she do after this? You know, the, the player of, of the game <laughs> yeah. would probably stay and enact some kind of revenge upon the Boltons and try to hold on to the end goal that Littlefinger set for her, which is yeah, you're going to be the Warden of the North. Calling Brienne for help? 
is not a player in the game. Like if that's what she does, is she right. throws the lantern up in the broken tower. That's mm-hmm. not a player in the game <laughs> at that's all. That's a right? please come save me. Yeah, that's a, I'm damseling right now. And, you know, and that right. might not be what happens, but I'm just saying, like, if that's what happens, it's um, it's even more disappointing. I'll say it for you. <laughs> and I mean, we're, we've been talking about these various pieces, like. We think we know where these pieces are supposed to go, so then we can make semi like guesses as to how they get there. And one guess I think we've talked about before um, <clears throat> is that Bran might end up face to face with Stannis and might end up killing him. So you know, given that like the Ramsay Stannis stuff is coming to a head, that Sansa will probably reach out to Bran in some way. Um, you know, that could definitely, like, what if Stannis triumphs only to have, only to have Brienne kill him? And then it's tragic because we've come to like Stannis, but we also like Brienne. That's some really good tragedy, you know? Yeah. And then who mm-hmm. becomes, and then what, Littlefinger steps in to become Warden of the North? I hope Sansa kills the shit out of Littlefinger <laughs> for leaving her there. Uh, well, that's well, I mean, the, once again just... the writer's fault. <laughs> I don't they remember made who it was. stupid. I don't remember who it was that said this. It might have been in one of our emails or it might have been something from somebody else who was like, I hope that when Stannis eventually gets to Winterfell, like the gates open and Sansa just rolls out the Bolton heads. And it's like, come on in. <laughs> I hope like, the that's the only like, way like the elevator makes this journey. <laughs> I hope the, it, the gates open like the elevator in The Shining. And it's just like blood <laughs> comes <laughs> gushing out. <laughs> You know, and Sansa's wearing a hood, and the Brotherhood is there, and they're yeah. calling her the Silent Lady. And yeah. I mean, there's there's ways I can make this work, guys. I just I still, can't, I still don't think the rape is gonna get me there, but like I don't know. believe the show can make it work. No, 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 as you well can. as so my we, brain can make it work. We're, we're still just assuming that the Lantern is Brienne through context clues, but it could be anybody. It could be it's, whoever you want. It, it could still be Ramsay, which is another theory. Is it, it's Ramsay messing with her. I think if that happens, then the show is really fucking tone deaf. Like, mm-hmm. you, even, you, you even had Joffrey limits in terms of what you would actually, like, show him doing. And, mm-hmm. uh, we have not met Ramsay's limit yet. Oh man, but which like, is what this I think what this episode tells us is we have not seen the limit to what Ramsey will do. Like we've seen him hunt people already and cut off penises. Now he's like all the rapey and man. I have to say that was my least favorite sort of like I don't think it was even the MRA. I don't know who is was like decided that this was a good argument point, but a bunch of people were like, Where was all the outrage when Theon got castrated? This is sexist to be upset about Sansa but not be upset about Theon. I was I mean, saying many things that have traumatized <laughs> me about... I was not equating... No, I'm not talking about you. I, no, oh. I'm not talking about you. Sorry. No, no, no. I'm not talking about you. I, was, about I will say this. As someone who has the equipment that Theon <laughs> lost, this was far more traumatizing than the Theon thing. Yeah. Because yeah, Theon so. at least kind of earned it. Well, and also in a world you know? with cock merchants, he's not necessarily out of money. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's not uh, all bad. It's just you know you the, you were gonna have to cut off your penis for money, and now you just have your penis already it's cut only off. It's rough when you when you have to go to the bathroom, right? You know, so why do you do uh, that? No, that's a stupid argument. <laughs> also, uh, just to remind everybody, this is your weekly reminder: men's rights not a thing. Stop it. <laughs> yeah, that, like, that's 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 ridiculous. Uh, uh, also, no jump into here. my comments section. I'll take you down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we shut down the slash home comment section. Dun, 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 dun. 
I, I just I don't get it. I, I don't I don't see anything. I don't see any argument that makes this okay. And I've actually worked through them personally. I've worked through all of the angles. Um, there, as a story choice, this just doesn't this just doesn't make any sense. And the spin right. that this is like somehow a positive take on rape, which was I think was Alyssa Rosenberg's thrust on Washington Post that like at last Game of Thrones is taking rape seriously. I was like, no. They're not. They're using it as a tool to redeem a dude that's not interesting right. to me. And just because it's something that – and this is the one that, that had me for a moment and then I was like, oh, no, this is stupid. Um, just because this is a, a world in which this happens all the time and just because Sansa knew that her wedding night involved having, having sex with Ramsay doesn't make the way it happened okay. Right. You know? Yeah. Like sh- this is not the same as arranged marriage. I mean, people were like, well, do you think arranged marriage is rape? I'm like, this is not arranged marriage. I mean, this is not what that is. Come on. Right. You know, I the, mean, arranged marriage is still not great. <laughs> it's the, I mean, it's yeah. true. Sansa knew that eventually having married Ramsey, they were going to have to have yeah. sex. Yeah. Um, she knew that with Tyrion, too, yeah. uh, which I think it, was it in your article, Joanna, where you brought up the whole thing about when she her wedding before her wedding night with Tyrion, quote unquote, she went and just like down some wine and was, you know, she was more or less ready to like, she, uh, yeah, she knew what she was getting into. This is what had to, she had to do to to survive. Yeah. She knew what she was getting into. She threw back a glass of wine and I think started like unlacing and Tyrion's like, no, Mm -hmm. you're okay. You know? So yeah, I'm not saying that Sansa walked in being like, Oh, we're going to play chess. Like, no, (laughs) but (laughs) there's, there's just, a chasm between, you know, yeah. chess and what happened. So, right. So worst you know, episode ever. I will say that, you know, if we look back on the episodes, um, this is low. This is, it, it's, it's low. And I hope that it's, I hope that they make up for it. You know, there's no making up for what happened in the last scene, but I hope that, this isn't indicative of where the show is going. Like, I hope that the the show really, I hope they get a grasp on what makes the shocking stuff interesting instead of just yes. being in love with shocking people. Yes, yeah. stepping outside of the uh, actual issue. This is like 24 syndrome all over, where it's like all of a sudden it stops being a real-time, like, super spy show and becomes about the, you'll never believe this twist that happens of one-fourth mm-hmm. through the season. It's going to change everything. Right. That's well, exactly. up with, like, season that. six of that with, like, Jack's father, and, like, you don't care. And by the time you get to the end of it, you don't care about any of the characters because they've been through all this crap. So I mean, spoilers for 24, but, um, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> But sorry no, to I mean, the person who's going to complain about on Twitter that we spoiled 24. <laughs> Did we spoil 24? I just said season no, six was bad. You didn't. You did nothing. Um, <laughs> no, the um, I know it's true of like shows like Scandal and even Empire, which is great in its first season, but is going to burn out. Like when you try to be sort of like shocking and up and down and whatever. Um, the Killing, I believe, did this all the time. Uh, the Killing just did one really bad maneuver that killed it. Um, yeah. It didn't keep going. I stopped watching. It killed it. Did it? Yeah. That's hey. Yeah. But um, yeah. When you try to out shock yourself, and I think I mean, like, it's understandable that Game of Thrones, the creators behind Game of Thrones, would think that there's a certain kind of viewer who views their show just for like the red wedding reaction videos and the Oberon gets his head pops shit and like all that sort of stuff. There definitely is a viewer who loves and wants being 
like emotionally manipulated that way and shocked and horrified. But uh, I think that there's another larger viewership that also enjoys other aspects of Game of Thrones. And I, I think that that's what at least the three of us are in there for. And so mm-hmm. if they are going to rely too heavily on, and then we raped Sansa Stark um, bullshit, then I'm going to be less interested in it. If that's mm-hmm. how it's going to trend, it's too early to say that that's how it's trending, but well, you know. and also we're going to, we're in that period of time where they're transitioning out of knowing where they're going and are currently constructing that. And everybody just had a big uh, to do about them doing it wrong. And so there's been a very vocal backlash to what is wrong. And hopefully someone pays attention in the future. Well, it's not just, and it's not just them like going off book. It's them being in weaker books, which I think they are. Like these are weaker books, not terrible books. They're just weaker than the first three. Mm-hmm. Um, third book is the best book. So coming off the, so coming off the third book, you're dealing with weaker material. So then maybe I don't know. You're going to gin it up by raping Sansa Stark or whatever, and that's just not interesting to me. I can say this. Um, I would. There's n- nothing so far has made me want to wildly make claims that I'm never going to watch the show again. No. Um, but uh, the straw poll of silence that I took in my living room on Sunday night tells me that the people, <laughs> normal people that I watch it with, uh, they, can't, they wouldn't be able to take many more episodes like this. Like it's, it's been weighing all week um, on my particular watching group where they're like, that was bad and I don't want to do that again. Yeah. So. I know. I mean, that's the thing is like... Um... I was talking to a couple people who are quitting, actually. I'm not quitting, but there are a couple people who are quitting. And you know, one of them said, I watch it with my family on Sunday night. This is like a family bonding. You know, and it's not like Game of Thrones oh, is God, family. It's not like Game of Thrones is family entertainment. It's always been dark. There's always been shitty shit that's happened. But this was, I believe, one of its darkest, like darker, I don't know, maybe even for me than The Red Wedding. Just be- And maybe that's too dramatic. But just because of who Sansa is and how she's been poised. This particular defeat, um, temporary though it may be, this particular defeat uh, was very crushing and very dark. So if if watching Game of Thrones is a fun thing you do with your friends or your family on a Sunday, watching Sansa Stark get raped is not part of that. So, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Absolutely. I agree with that. For me, <laughs> yeah, as somebody think... that just watches a lot of fiction it hurts to see something build to what should be like a terrifying, triumphant storytelling moment and whiff so hardly just by generally misunderstanding what they had to deal with. It's like setting out to bake a cake and ending up with like a solid brick of bread. It's just what, like, what did you think the sugar was for? God damn it. <laughs> what did you think the sugar was for? I mean, like, we don't expect that Sans, like, the, you know, the whole Game of Thrones uh, pattern is to build someone up and pull the rug out, right? So we don't need Sansa to come in and have, like, the most triumphant experience of her life, even though, you know, we did fantasize about, like, a sort of gone girl moment for her. But that would still be traumatizing. It's not like that's a great victory for her to, like, kill and that would have been pulling the rug out from under her. Ramsay, really. Yeah. And ruined her dress even more so. But like, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, you know, just 
something. Well, there was Some... that whole fake internet spoiler where he just had sex with Miranda all night and like got super drunk and she was just horribly scandalized by like how violent that sex was, even though it was consensual sex. And I was like, that's going to be horrible. But I could have understood if that was... No, I think that fake internet spoiler also had what is in the books which is like ramsey warming her up but it was I like mean, it was late, warming her up it was later on it was like this after this had been a repeated thing because there was definitely something where like Roos was like found him passed out and sansa was like across the room the, after the wedding night anyway for a while favorite, i was not fearing the wedding night and then i started fearing it again one of my favorite book things is that like you know so there are all these like northerners in the castle um who think that in the book who think that the girl who's who's you know there is Arya Stark and that girl is like crying a bunch all the time and so oh, I forget her name this great character who's like allied with the Bol- Boltons but also a northern woman who was like you know burned by the Starks um is basically like you need to get that Arya girl to shut the fuck up because the Northerners around here are really disturbed because they think that's Ned Stark's daughter and they think you're mistreating her. Um, I, I don't know. They're not going to do that in the in the show. But because there aren't any, like, they didn't bother to establish any Northern allies that, you know, other than, like, that lady with the braids. <laughs> old woman. Yeah. <laughs> old woman and maybe old man. And maybe old man in town. So, yeah. Uh, old man in town is going to end up being the only person that knows the uh, secret of Jon Snow's parish. Old man right that now. looks like an older version of Ian Glenn? Yes. <laughs> yes. A secret Mormont? <laughs> it's going to be secret like... Secret Mormont. I was around at the Tower of Love. Anyway. Um, Tower of Joy. Joy. Tower of joy, love, yeah. joy and love and everything was <laughs> not anything horrible happened in that tower. Also, um, before anyone corrects us, Dave said earlier it was the game of lies. It's the game of faces. Game of faces. Thank you. If, you've, if you haven't taken this hour and written me an email during this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> we will correct ourselves. Someone's like sadly deleting an email that they've already written. Yep. Damn it, Neil. And I'm sorry that I just remembered it like an hour later. Well, then I guess I can also take uh, you know solace in the fact that you can't undo it if you'd already finished your email. It's long sent. Um, <laughs> um, but what was I going to say about... Um, yeah, I mean, you know, like the whole the Spearwives come in and they rescue help rescue Jane and on so that makes sense for Brian and Pod. It's just like I don't want Sansa rescued. Putting a lantern in a right. tower is not really, but yeah. But even if she like skins Miranda herself, like I'm still not going to be like, well, good. We need rape to get us here for sure. You well, know, I don't want to sound like the producers of Gem and the Holograms, but maybe <laughs> lowered expectations will pleasantly surprise you. <laughs> Uh, and uh, I guess on that note, uh, we should probably tell people where they can find lots of opinions on Game of Thrones probably in the next couple of weeks uh, from us online. Um, Joanna? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Joe Wrote This. You can listen to me talk about Game of Thrones on the Acasa Kings podcast, or you can read my writing over on VanityFair.com. Neil? Uh, you can read my extremely long article about Dorn on filmschoolrejects.com. Uh, and you can follow me at Rejects. I'm on Twitter, too. It's all good. Oh, and follow us at Storm of Spoilers. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah, the storm too. of spoilers Twitter feed is really good. Mm-hmm. That's all Neil. It's really hitting its stride, I think. <laughs> That's all Neil. <laughs> really, We're not like... going to make any big changes that are going to horrify you. I can assure you of that. Nope. Continued snark and jokes and useful links. That's that's the way they roll <laughs> over at the mm-hmm. Twitter feed. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DA7E. I'm not always as useful, but definitely as snarky. You can read my writing at geek.com, forbes.com, and latino-review.com. Some places I've been talking about The Flash recently, uh, which I have been enjoying talking about much more than some other episodes this week. Although Mad Men 2. You know what? This week overall kind of came out uh, more on the positive side. Just unfortunately not on HBO. That is Mm -hmm. also a dig at Silicon Valley this week. So, guys... (laughs) No, no, you're forgetting Hugh Laurie on Veep. Like, that was great. Oh, Hugh Laurie was on Veep. Okay, Mm -hmm. fair enough, Dr. House. You win again. (laughs) Uh, Until next time, next week, uh, this has been Star Wars Sports.